Hello, and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dyslexia Devoted. It has been a fun week around here. I'm going to call it networking season, which I didn't know was a thing because, you know, I'm an educator. Most of my life is spent with children. And this past week, I've gotten to have so many opportunities to meet with fellow educators in the local area, other people who have small businesses like mine, and it has been so great to make connections and learn how we can help each other out and join in the season of supporting each other. It has been great to connect with other educators and with schools who are looking forward to helping their educators better understand how kids with dyslexia and all kids really learn how to read so that they can keep improving their practices. So I'm excited that that is just a small piece of my business in addition to helping kids is helping schools. I love being able to help them make changes for the better so that all of their students can be successful with or without a learning difference. Now it's the start of the school year. How's it starting out for you? Are you a parent? Are you an educator? Which way is it leaning? I know I've had school years that go both ways. Some feel fantastic from the very first start, and other ones are a pretty bumpy start. Welcome to episode 67 of Dyslexia Devoted, called The Beginning of the Year Speed Bumps. Now, as my clients are getting into the school year, we always have what is called the honeymoon period where everything is great for the first few days, and then reality sets in. So this is when I like to ask the kids how things are going. And sometimes I get a fabulous response like this one. I'm actually going to quote a student in what he said to me the other day. I was horrible in school when I didn't have you. And now I think I'm the smartest kid in the class. Now that's the answer I hope for. Something along that line. That's my dream. But in reality, that's not the way it goes for a lot of my students. There are a couple of my older kids that we've just come to learn there will be a speed bump at the beginning of the school year. When it hits, it kind of varies. And sometimes it's in November when we realize everything is falling apart and the kiddo just hit it and just didn't mention how bad things were going. And sometimes it is in September. So let's bring it up now because this has actually been my goal for my older students is to tell me about the speed bumps as soon as possible. If you don't tell me things are wrong until November, it is very hard for me to help you save your grade. But when you tell me right away, then things get easier faster. So this week, I actually celebrated a child in tears. Because do I want that child in tears? Absolutely not. But they did not wait until November to tell me there was a problem. We talked about it in the very first week of September. And that is a huge accomplishment. We need students to be able to know that there is help for them when things get hard, but they have to tell you they need help. And that is one of the biggest things I teach my students is that we have to learn how to advocate for ourselves. If you sit there and look cute, nobody's going to help you. You need to be able to speak up for yourself in a polite way that gets you the help you need. For this episode, I'm speaking mostly about my late middle school and into high school students because this is where it is really important because a lot of times by the time we see the kids getting older, we release some responsibility and try to make the kids handle things themselves and only step in when we need to. At least that's the goal. One of the things I've seen every single year is that students think that they're okay and they think they can do it on their own, and then something terrible happens, like they fail the very first test. And this feels pretty horrific for these kids. 
So automatically, the very first time you get a grade in a class, you now have an F. The biggest thing that I have seen leads to this is because they don't know what to expect. A lot of times our kids with dyslexia need a structure and a plan and need to know what to expect. The beginning of the school year, each teacher is different and you don't know what to expect. So for one student, they got a terrible grade on a test, but it turns out they studied the opposite thing. The student thought they needed to study what was in their textbook, and instead they needed to study what was in the PowerPoint presented in class. And that was two totally different sets of information, so the student failed the very first test because they didn't know what was expected. Now, after so many years of working with my students in various grade levels, especially as ones have grown up with me over the years, some have gone all the way from being a third grader to being a junior in high school. It's really great to see them over the years. And one of the highlights of that is being able to notice a pattern. And one of the things I've seen with so many of the kids as they get older is they don't know what to expect from their new teachers. When it comes to giving tests, some teachers are pretty explicit and they will tell you exactly what will be on the test. And other ones just say, there's a test on chapter two on Monday. Now, is that the equations from chapter two? Is it the words and the paragraphs in chapter two? What is it? And so we need to help our students learn how to advocate for themselves. Even if they don't always need our adult help, we need to teach them how to ask their teachers what to expect for the test. Can you please tell me what the best way to study for this test would be? The other thing I notice at the beginning of the school year is not knowing where to find all their assignments. When the students have started at a new school in a new school year, it is always different where they're going to find their homework. I have one school that never posts the homework anywhere, and it is the bane of my existence because I have multiple students that come to me from that school, and nowhere does it have their homework posted. The kids are just supposed to magically remember. Have you met kids with dyslexia? Executive functioning is a major problem. They aren't able to clearly organize all of their materials a lot of times until they've gotten some practice. And guess when they're supposed to practice that? Middle school. Their school does not set them up for success, and it drives me bonkers every year because it becomes this funny little game of guessing where we might find the assignment for this teacher this year, because it's not always in the same spot. There is no uniformity whatsoever in the school, and each teacher is completely different, and it's very challenging. If I can't figure it out, and I'm a grown adult who's worked in education for nearly 20 years, how on earth is a 12-year-old supposed to figure it out? This is when us as adults who work with children need to help the students set up a system that works for them. If the school is not setting up a system that works for them, make your own. There was one day that one of the kids and I were organizing our planners together. She got her beginning of the school year planner out. I got mine out. We sat there. We wrote down all the vacation days that the student had in school. So that way I knew what days she wasn't going to have me. She knew which days there was going to be a special event at school so she could plan ahead for that. She was able to mark out when her outdoor ed trip was going to be, so she knew that she was going to be out of town. Therefore, any other assignments would have to get done before or after that trip. And knowing she would probably be tired, she knew she had to get her assignments done before she went on the trip. All of these things often need to be done with some assistance. Eventually, they can become natural, but it is something you need to help them get started at the beginning of the year. This is one of the every single year school speed bumps. Every student I've ever met, it always takes a little bit of a learning curve to figure out where are my assignments, When are they due? If I forget what my assignment is, where can I look? And if you have a student who struggles with that, you can help them by teaching them how to use a planner. And in the wonderful world of technology, a lot of times teachers will write the assignments on the board. So I often will encourage my older students to take a picture 
with either their iPad or their Chromebook or their phone, whatever device they have, because every kid has some form of device half the time now, I will have them take a picture of what their assignment is. Some of my students, when they come to me and they've written their assignment, I have no idea what it says. It was some sort of gibberish that used to be in teacher shorthand that was a version of the assignment, but said with less letters. So it may not even be the whole word. And then the student copied it wrong. And who knows what it says by the end of the day. So sometimes being able to take a picture of the assignment, that is super helpful and super fast. Students who take forever to copy something from the board end up being late to their next class. And then that's really frustrating. So if you can set up a system where maybe they can just take a picture of what the assignment is, that can also be helpful. Whether it is a picture of the where the teacher wrote it down, or if a friend has really great handwriting, taking a picture of their notebook and what the assignment is, that is also another fantastic strategy. Either way, it is a major speed bump for most kids is being able to figure out their assignments, where they're located, and how to keep track of them. So that is completely normal and expected. They will probably fail a couple times and not remember things. There was one student who came in to me and says, so I was the only kid who didn't do my homework, but I didn't even know we had it. Apparently, we're just supposed to check the calendar for our homework. And I was like, yeah, that's usually a pretty normal place to look for your homework is on the digital calendar. And she goes, I didn't know to go look there when all the rest of the class knew. So clearly it was mentioned somewhere along the way, but that student kind of missed the memo. So our job is to help kids create a routine so they don't keep missing the memo. The last beginning of the year speed bump I wanted to talk about today is teacher personalities. As students get older, they have a lot of teachers. They go from having one teacher they get to know really well, they know what to expect from them. They know what will make them mad, they know which things will make them happy, and which things will irritate them and drive them crazy. When a student sees seven teachers in a day or in a week, depending on the block schedules or regular schedules or whatever your school does, it becomes a lot harder to get to know the expectations of the teachers. When you only see them for 40 minutes twice a week, it's a slow learning process to figure out what that teacher expects, how lenient they are on certain things, how flexible they are for accommodations, and that causes a lot of speed bumps and usually a few tears. One student last week talked to me about how it made her so upset that her math teacher said the one thing he can't get over is spelling mistakes and he doesn't accept them. She has dyslexia and dysgraphia and every other learning difference there is. This was heart-wrenching to her to hear that that is his one pet peeve that he finds unforgivable is poor spelling. And it's not even a reading and writing class. Why does the math teacher care so much about the spelling? It's not the main point of math class, but I digress. We need students to help understand what it takes to make each teacher happy and to understand that sometimes there are some teachers that may not ever be happy. And that is not your fault. When I help kids, especially those middle and high school students who are back in general education, they've gotten their reading and their writing under control, but you know, it's dyslexia. It doesn't ever go totally away. It just gets a lot better. But if you're stressed, if you're tired, if you have too much homework, then that dyslexia rears its ugly head. And it's really challenging when you know you have a teacher who's not very forgiving of that. So we need students to know they have a goal. Try your best and do what you can and move on. It is not your fault. We cannot force somebody else to understand your dyslexia. We just need to teach you how to get by and how not to take it personal. And I know that is easier said than done. It is very personal when somebody is attacking something that you can't change. But we have to help kids understand what is our goal for this class? What is our aim to get this grade? What will be a passing grade for you in this class? And know that next year you'll hopefully have a better teacher. 
also considering the idea of, is it possible to change classes? I don't advise this all the time because it drives schools crazy and they hate you when you contact them and say, I want a new teacher. I don't like my teacher. But if you have a child with dyslexia, sometimes that call is necessary, especially when you have teachers say things like, I don't believe dyslexia exists. Yes, I've had that happen. It kills me to my soul. So sometimes if you have a child who's being denied their accommodations because of a teacher, then it's time to change classes anyway. And you have to speak up and say that that's your reason, not just because the teacher's mean to me. That excuse is never going to get you anywhere. Kids will always use the excuse, the teacher doesn't like me. And half the time, I'm going to go with three quarters of the time. It means the student did something they shouldn't have and don't like the consequences. So when you talk to a school about needing to change teachers, be sure that you are articulate in the exact reason, being that this child is not being provided their accommodations that they are entitled to and things like that, not because the teachers mean to my child, because that is often an excuse that we get when a lot of times that's not really what's happening. But occasionally it really does happen where a child is not getting the accommodations that they need and deserve to be successful, in which case that is very warranted to change classes. Then we have the flip side, which teachers are really great resources. We want our students to know who can they go to when teacher A is not being very supportive. Is there a teacher B they can go to instead? Like I know some of the kids that I work with have some version of a resource room. They call it different things depending on the school. And they have really supportive teachers in there that can help them. So we want to make sure that students know to do their best with the teacher who's less than flexible and then know who else can they go to to get support because there's usually somebody else they can get support from. So figure out who that is and help the student identify where they can find them and when is a good time to probably try to talk to them. Okay, let's wrap it up for today and revisit what are some of the things that cause speed bumps at the start of the year. The first is testing expectations. Often this is the biggest, hugest, tear-causing one that we see is that they will fail the first test because they didn't know what to expect. But this happens a lot, and then they can usually pass the tests after that as long as they start learning the routines of how are tests usually set up in this class. The next speed bump is assignments. Knowing where to find them and knowing how to access them if they've forgotten them and where to get it and all their information and creating an executive function routine if the school does not do it for you. So if the school does not have a good central location for all the assignments, teaching the student how to create their own system so that they know what to do and where to find it. And then the last speed bump is teacher personalities, and some kids and teachers clash. That happens, it's normal, and we need to teach kids how to cope with it and who else they can go to for support. If there is a teacher truly not giving the accommodations and not giving things that they are entitled to give to a student with learning differences, then you go to whoever is higher up and learn how you can get the class changed and be sure it is not something like, he just doesn't like my kid. No, this child is being denied services that they have a right to. And that is the thing that you need to point out. A lot of times there is a favorite teacher where a bunch of kids all want to be in their class and we need the administration to know that's not the case for this specific kid. It really has to do with denial of services for their accommodations. And we want to make sure that we are articulating. It's not just picking a favorite teacher. It is getting specialized support for having a learning difference that is absolutely critical to a child's success. All right, that is it for today. I hope you are not hitting too many speed bumps at the start of this school year. And if you are, hopefully it is smooth sailing after you pass over them. If you are enjoying these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could share this episode with a friend 
And I can't wait to see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn even more about dyslexia, check out parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses. See you next time.